Hello, Dawn here. I wanted to give you an update that there are some changes afoot at the metal set and we're working on some brand new episodes that we'll share with you ASAP. In the meantime, please check out this rewind episode, a very insightful chat with Dr. Kate Jordan. We hope you like it as much as we did and do. Enjoy. Mood swings are intolerable if you may be hitting that perimenopause and you're struggling with dry skin, vaginal dryness, all of that stuff that mm. no one talks about. Those are things that should be addressed and can be addressed, right. like particularly in cyclists. Like a cyclist hit perimenopause and menopause, vaginal dryness on a saddle, it's mm. really uncomfortable. <laughs> it can cause bleeding. It can, can cause imagine. significant amount of pain. Yeah. No one talks about it, yeah. do you know? And and so those are things that should be addressed, like mm. shouldn't just be putting up with them. There's treatment that can help. This is The Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. Hi there. Today's episode is a continuation of our discussion on female athlete health with Dr. Kate Jordan, a sports and exercise medicine physician at Mediclinic Parkview Hospital in Dubai. In the first part of this episode, which came out last week, and you'll find the link in our show notes for quick access, we discussed common health injuries in female athletes, the growing issue of LEA or low energy availability, disordered eating, and fueling for performance. In this episode, we go deeper into our discussion on training on your menstrual cycle, hormones, the importance of supplements, and strength and resistance training as we age. We would like to add that this is a general discussion on athlete health, and any information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not intend to substitute a personal consultation with a physician, a diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any health concerns, please speak to your doctor. We hope you enjoy the episode. So now we're going to, we already touched upon this earlier, uh, 50% of the population have a menstrual cycle at periods yeah. and it's really poorly, you know, understood. Even I will admit myself yeah, included, same. you know, it was never taught in school. You just kind of <clears throat> understand, you know, this happens once a month, that's it, you know, and I guess hormones really play a lot into an athlete's performance and how you're yeah. feeling and how you perform. So what is the common knowledge around hormones yeah. and uh, women training on their menstrual cycle or the cycle itself during yeah. their training phases. So what do you see from female athletes in yeah. terms of knowledge? It's a good question. So as I kind of touched on before, like the overall summary is we don't really know for sure. Mm. Like that's the answer and more research is needed. What we do know is that there are kind of two distinct phases to your cycle. There's the phase where your body is getting ready for a potential pregnancy, where your hormones are high, where you're having these fluctuations, where you have a spike in estrogen and LH to uh, enable your ovaries to release an egg. Then you have a spike in progesterone, which prepares your uterus for accepting that egg. And then there's the phase where the body says, okay, it's not happening this month. Yeah. Let's set, reset. Yeah. And we know that in that second part of your menstrual cycle, you, our bodies behave a lot more like men, like that kind of like low hormone side of things. Mm -hmm. And we know that in the first half of the cycle, we women are really different. And mm -hmm. that, as I mentioned before, like the laxity in our tissues, we know that happens around ovulation. We don't really know why. We know that people may struggle with bloating, water retention, that kind of thing. But 
in terms of like, when should you lift? When should you do your endurance session? No one can answer that question really at this stage. Mm. What we can talk about is how you get the most out of your body, how you manage your symptoms. And if they're not manageable, what is how is best to do that? So, you know, for example, we used to put everybody on the pill if their periods were a problem. Now mm-hmm. that is an option still, but the types of pills that we use are really different mm. in athletes. And we try to use pills that are newer formulations that don't suppress some other hormones. The way the combined pill work is it suppresses your hypothalamic axis, just like low energy availability right. does. Mm. And so it can be detrimental to bone health. It's weird, right? Because uh, again, when I first started in sport, the pill was a treatment for people with no periods. The doctor would put them on the pill. That is still done by some doctors, but we shouldn't do that. Like the the evidence is that women who have red S or low energy availability and no periods should have HRT. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of estrogen, which is beneficial, not the pill. The pill creates a false sense of security (sighs) for that because you just have your withdrawal bleeds every month yeah. and everyone thinks, oh great, your periods have come back. Yeah. We yeah. haven't, it's fake. No, like, that's it's just a yeah. withdrawal from yeah. the pill. So that's where our knowledge is really is how to manage. That knowledge has improved significantly. Mm. Being absolutely clear on when you should do what in your cycle, no one can tell mm. you that with clarity, mm. unfortunately. Wow. Someday we will mm-hmm. be able to, but just not yet. Just on that, um, just going back to the point though, you know, some people having their PBs or, you know, Mm -hmm. performing their best when they're on their period. Can you talk us a little through that? Yeah. Yeah. why that um, is? Yeah. Good question. Well, again, no one really knows. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mystery. I ran my best 10K, but I think I was trying to run and find a washroom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, there's motivation, logistical motivation. But I was really surprised that I did that. But I think like, I mean, I, I guess on the simple terms, the theory behind that, if we're looking again, if we go back to caveman days, or what is your body trying to achieve in the first half of your cycle? Well, it's using its energy to get the egg ready to Mm. release, to release the egg, to thicken up your uterus, to get ready for pregnancy. And so as females, that evolutionary wise, that is what we were designed to do. I hate hate to narrow it down Mm. to that, but that is what (laughs) we were meant to do. And when that doesn't happen, then we get this kind of extra, okay, well, you can chill out a bit now and you can go and gather some, you know, sticks and build your house and whatever else cavemen (laughs) used to do. Like, and so like, if you look at it from that perspective, you can understand why in that second half of the cycle, your performance may be better better. because your body isn't wasting its time on like getting ready for pregnancy. It's like, it's got some other stuff that it's so is, that, is, yeah, is yeah. that also because then your testosterone is higher or is, yeah. is that something that's just maybe a myth <laughs> yeah um the testosterone again more research needed into, right. into testosterone like i think it's more to do with our female hormones in right. that second half of the cycle okay. because we know like testosterone levels as a woman are lower than men mm. like they don't have massive peaks yeah. and troughs throughout the cycle mm. so yeah I think maybe a small part of the factor but it's not a huge well not as far as we know yeah so but like when you're training um well throughout your cycle basically are there anything are there things that women should keep an eye out for as far as their hormones are concerned, uh, something that could be again a red flag and something that they should then address and go see a doctor good question anything that impacts how they feel right Mm -hmm. like I mean I guess it's different for for everyone Mm. so I have looked after athletes and patients who have super heavy periods Mm -hmm. and crippling pain and that's normal for them like you know I always have this I have this discussion daily, right, with female athletes. And I always find it funny, you know, ask, are your periods heavy or light or in between? 
I mean, how do you know what other women's periods are like? Yeah. <laughs> like nobody knows. So I always ask that question alongside the caveat of like, what size tampons do you use? Mm. Do you use a pad and a tampon? Mm. How often do you change a tampon? Mm. Um, because that's the only way you can quantify it really. Because yeah. let's be honest, like no one knows what everyone else's periods yeah. are like. Like how would you? Yeah. Um, and so I think people's normals are really different. Mm. So in terms of red flags, like red flags for me would be having bleeding in between your periods it's not normal like okay. a little ovulation bleed around ovulation day so around about day 14 that can be normal and if it only I would still see a doctor for assessment of that but if mm-hmm. that's the only thing that's happening then then okay but bleeding in between your periods bleeding after intercourse super irregular cycle that's new or a uh, loss of your cycle those are all things that need looking at and they all have different causes so bleeding in between your periods bleeding after intercourse we're not looking at sports related stuff there we're yeah. looking at pathology that might be other gynae things um loss of your periods may be related to sport but there's other things that can do that too yeah. you know pituitary treatments cause you to mm. lose your periods thyroid problems cause you to lose your mm. periods so I, I wouldn't encourage any woman to think oh this is just because of sport like okay. it's a diagnosis of exclusion so you exclude all those other things right. before coming to that decision otherwise then it's it's just about symptomatic things that are impacting you as a as a woman so you know if you're mood swings are intolerable if you may be hitting that perimenopause and you're struggling with dry skin vaginal dryness all of that stuff that mm. no one talks about like mm. that those are things that should be addressed and can be addressed right. like you know um particularly in cyclists like a cyclist hit perimenopause and menopause vaginal dryness on a saddle it's mm. really uncomfortable <laughs> um it can cause bleeding it can, can cause imagine. significant amount of pain yeah. no one talks about it yeah. do you know and and so those are things that should be addressed like mm. shouldn't just be putting up with them there's treatment that can help yeah i mean we'll talk about menopause and perimenopause in a minute just in terms of like looking at your cycle and I know everyone's different like is there certain kind of you know is should that impact away a woman's training or should she consider certain elements or eating or fueling yeah uh, that's another we don't really know. Sleeping, <laughs> um, you know, additional yeah. sleep. Because I'm like, yeah. oh, now, like, maybe I'll get a bit more sleep in the first half of my cycle. Yeah, I mean, I'm forced to. Like, I'm yeah. so tired yeah. that I have to sleep yeah. more. <laughs> and I think that's it. Like, you've got to do what feels right for you. Yeah. And so I would just, what I would encourage women to do is to be familiar with their cycle. Mm. So if you are, if you have a non-hormonal cycle, particularly, so if you have a natural cycle, you're not on hormonal contraception, just get familiar with what that is. Mm. Track it. Mm. There's a good app, um, Fitter Woman, it's called it. Yep. if you've heard of it I like think I have um, it, yeah, yeah mm. F-I-T-R woman yes. um it's a really good app where you can track your cycle and it gives you that kind of information of okay we're in your high hormone phase you're in your low hormone mm. phase and this is maybe how you might feel but for me it's just more about becoming familiar with how you feel mm. and picking that apart because I think you know we've all had periods for most if not all of our adult lives yeah. you know and if you ask a woman does this happen at this particular point most often the answer is I don't know mm, <laughs> you know yeah. and so I think it's really important as a sports person you know you look at every other aspect of your life you should be looking at your period to find out when you might perform better for you because mm-hmm. like I said that that evidence of across the board is just not there consistently but looking at when you might perform best and then adjusting your training to how you feel is the uh, currently that's the best that we have in terms mm. of guidance I guess uh, we have uh, a listener question uh, later on in our episode uh, on supplements but in this case I feel like I'm tired because I I anyway have an iron deficiency mm. are there supplements that women should be taking in this case yeah so 
I would encourage any athlete to consider female athlete to consider supplementing iron. You know, I, I often use the analogy of like a leaky bucket for iron, right? Because we have a period every month. Yeah. So we lose a load of iron and yeah. then we replenish it and then we lose a load. So if you test female athletes iron, it's very unusual to see a good level of iron. Mm-hmm. And for an athlete, I would be aiming for a ferritin level of above 75. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to like a normal doctor, the reference range is that anything above 30 is fine. Mm-hmm. So that, um, and we know increases aerobic capacity and muscle endurance. So it's a no brainer for me, like, yeah. you know, um, so I would take a, a ferritin supplement. Um, ferritin's better absorbed with vitamin C mm-hmm. and vitamin... Ferritin's a type. Yeah, type so ferritin is the is iron. Is iron, yeah. Um, so, I mean, whatever you can tolerate. Like medical iron is better. It's better absorbed, but often people don't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. Like it can cause gastric upset and constipation and it's not particularly nice to take. So there's like herbal supplements. Floridix is the kind of herbal iron supplement, which is better than nothing. But taking it with vitamin C is helpful and vitamin C is helpful for immune function. So I would definitely use that. Not taking your iron supplement with tea, caffeine reduces absorption. So not helpful or coffee, obviously. Mm -hmm. So yeah, iron supplements, super important for for a female athlete. And then stuff around period time. So magnesium can be helpful around periods. If you suffer really badly with period cramps, then uh, aspirin can be helpful. I would tend to use that over other anti-inflammatories just because of the way it works. It can work a little bit more effectively. What else? I would use zinc as an immune um, booster, uh, particularly around times of stress. So like if you know you're going to be doing a hard training block, we know hard training, even with normal energy availability, reduces Mm -hmm. immune function. So making sure that you're doing everything proactively to improve that. Yeah, that can be that can be helpful as well. This episode is supported by Deep Dive Dubai. We know that our listeners love awesome adventures. And take it from us, it doesn't get more awe-inspiring than the world's deepest pool. Measuring a record-breaking 60 meters, Deep Dive Dubai gives both scuba and freedivers the ability to discover an underwater world complete with the latest in dive technology and an abandoned sunken city. For those new to diving, like me, it's the ideal place to get started. And for those experienced to expert divers out there, it's the perfect place to hone your skills with exceptional facilities, expert staff, and state-of-the-art technology. Since it opened in 2021, it has mesmerized visitors and continues to deliver extraordinary experiences seven days a week. For more information and to book your experience, visit deepdivedubai.com. For people who aren't keen on taking too many supplements, what would be the food alternatives to Mm. some of the uh, supplements that you've mentioned? Yeah, I mean, this is a good point because I predominantly, like I don't really eat meat um, at all. Like, um, you know, fish sometimes and stuff. So I know like my sister is always like, you need an iron supplement. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm like, leave me alone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. I'm vegetarian. Um, I was a swimmer. And um, my mum used to like feed me full of vitamins when I was a kid. And she thought I was going to die or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hard Yeah, uh, is the truth. Mm. Um, but things like spinach, leafy green vegetables, mm. um, pulses, lentils, beans, all have a fair bit of iron in mm. them. It is very challenging to get enough iron from your from your food, though. If you're an athlete and you're yeah. a woman, <laughs> like, right. yeah, it really is. Particularly if you don't eat meat. So, mm. even if you don't take it every day, like using some sort of like Floridix is the really like gentle alternative, mm. like as a as a herbal supplement. I think that's a, a reasonable option. So, what is it made of? Like, is it Floridix? 
good question. Uh, Flowers. It's plant-based, Something, yeah, it's plant-based, yeah. Um, yeah, it's got flowers on the label. Let's okay. go with that. <laughs> Petals. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't have as much iron in it as, as medical grade mm. iron, mm. but it is usually really well tolerated. Mm. So looking at your diet, optimizing everything you can, you know, I agree with you. I'm not one that's big on taking supplements. Um, those are the things, if you are going to, people ask me that all the time, like, what should I take? And I really, I'd rather you eat a whole food yeah. diet yeah. that's healthy. But zinc, vitamin C, iron, vitamin D, mm. th- those would be my four mm. if you're going to take anything. Yeah, mm. I think I'm going to look into that because yeah. I'm like, I'm very big on gut health and microbiota yeah. mm. and di- like diversity of plants in my uh-huh. diet. Mm. And I know, you know, one of my friends, um, she lifts weights and she's very, really, you're not eating enough protein. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the protein thing is important. Yeah, right? I think. Just for recovery as well. Right? For recovery. And, you know, there's a certain point <laughs> where you start to lose muscle mass. Muscle, yeah. yeah. You know, sarcopenia is a real thing. Mm, yeah. Unfortunately, it mm. happens. Uh, on my way here, my husband just ordered me my first ever whey protein <laughs> box um after do you know like I think like I was 40 last year and I think I really see a difference yeah. in um, bone density it, and muscle, muscle mass, mass you know and so there is some evidence that using that kind of protein uh, particularly whey and casein yeah. like there there is some evidence that that can help with muscle building now if you're in your prime in your 20s and 30s forget about yeah. it <laughs> no, I, but, uh, I, I sometimes wish my my folks had the same knowledge because I can see them like they're 70 they're above mm. 70 and I can see how yeah. they've like shrunk and yeah. their muscle mass is just like vanished and yeah. it's vanishing like yeah. Yeah. every day right yeah. there's a person that they lose every day and it's yeah. so it's so upsetting to see and mm-hmm. obviously I do as much as I can now so that yeah. I'm not in that situation when I'm 70 because I yeah. want to be healthy and I want to be running and I want to be cycling and I want to be yeah. doing everything at that age I mean I guess that lends itself though to weight-bearing exercises yeah. right because I mean so I've we met at CrossFit yeah. <laughs> and um, I used to do a lot of CrossFit mm. and weightlifting and now I do a lot of cycling. And I've just noticed like I'm, I think naturally I'm quite muscular. Mm. Like when I do body analysis, you know, those body analysis machines, I haven't really lost much muscle mass and probably gained some of my legs, but definitely notice like <laughs> my booty is smaller. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I need to stop cycling and start doing some squats. Yeah. But I think as you get older, like what's, you know, what would you say to people who are only doing like cardiovascular mm. endurance sports? Like yeah. how important is weight, you know, weight bearing exercises as well? Yeah, it's a good question. Like the, it's really important is the mm. short answer. Like you need to be doing more power based activity. So that doesn't have to be lifting weights. Like that's mm. not for everybody, mm-hmm. but it could be Re- like resistance training. Yeah, resistance training right. or plyometrics, you know, like mm. jumping, hopping, mm. skipping, anything where you're putting weight through your bones and mm-hmm. um, but also like, because of that sarcopenia which is a normal part of being a human and aging like you have to stimulate your muscle more mm-hmm. and so just doing endurance training is not enough to do that you have to add some some sort of resistance training in there's some really good evidence that bone density is a real problem in cyclists mm-hmm. for exactly the reason you said you sit on a bike all yeah. the time. Like, <laughs> I feel really um, good about going to the gym this morning. Yeah, <laughs> oh, totally. But it, it's all about balance, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think the reality is that our bodies are not designed to do one sport. We're designed to move in lots of different ways and, mm-hmm. and we're living much longer than we were probably designed to. Yeah. And we just have to alter what we're doing and adjust how we live. And I think our generation, are we just know so much more, right, than our mm-hmm. parents. 
sense. And and you're right, you see uh, elderly people now with really poor muscle so mass. So frail. And, yeah. You know, there, there was, um, I don't know if you read about the study, it's probably about six months ago now that said that if you could stand on one leg, I forget how long yeah, it was now yeah, for, yeah. like it, it, that was your predictor for death in the next yeah. like 10 years or something. <laughs> did you immediately do yeah. that? Then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Everyone did, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think like the you can see the logic behind that it's yeah. about muscle mass it's yeah. about sarcopenia one of my good friends from uni is a um care of the elderly consultant mm. um and she did all her research on sarcopenia and the effect that that has and it's a it's a marker for the rest of your body health that's mm. all you know so if we can reduce the effects of muscle loss as we age then the rest of us will be better too for mm. sure Thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation with you because we've learned a lot and absolutely our listeners are going to take away a lot from this as well. So thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.